0: Inclined. You know, I think at some point I'm gonna do a little survey of go and um it's one of those things if you're like me I give electronically and I'm assuming most people in the room do. Um we'll work out tonight. I, I will talk more, I think. I just I don't think it seems to I got mates who run church you don't collect an offering in church anymore because they know everyone gives electronically in in their place, and it's just, we're not ready for that. No, no, okay, I'm I'm told not. (laughs) Set up a little counter as you walk in and sort that out. It's one of those things, it's dependent on who's in the room, isn't it? Presentation went off air. Let's see if this is going to work for me tonight. It was awesome this morning. And I just really felt, again, it's interesting. We were just uh, talking before church, actually, about just some decor stuff. About I, I want to put a big welcome home sign as you walk in the doors of church uh, and that's just something that is us and who God's called us to be and uh, I want to do it more and and sometimes it's one of those things which is good to question and go how much are we fulfilling the purposes of God and it's very confronting and uh, um, exciting at the same time within all that. neat. Oh yeah, let's read that, let's read this. Uh, 1 Peter three fifteen sixteen. 16, we were talking a few weeks ago about refugees and all stuff, and when we get to all that sort of stuff, this, this is important, but I, I want to get to what actually Peter's got the crux of tonight. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And so I want to talk a bit tonight about what that, that hope is, and, and this is something that I think already lives inside all of us and and some knowledge that we all have, but I just want to, I just feel God to go across it again. I was talking about it um, with some people a few weeks ago and and just, it's always good to get a grounding. And as a lot of you do, um, Kids Church and and youth, I I want you to have a good grounding in this as well. So this is um, equipping within that um, time as well. But um, Paul said this, which is really weird. I know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you actually think about our, our religion and Christianity, for a better thing, we're a morbid bunch. We talk about this um, crucifixion, we, we talk about this, this form of capital punishment. Um, as being the crux or the main thing about what we're on about. And we, we talk about blood being everywhere. It's like if you, if you didn't really understand Christianity in a modern culture, you'd think we'd just be caught up on vampires or something like that. But, but blood seems to flow through and flowing blood. That's where I need you on the drums right there, Nate. Um, but... These things, and we just have this concept and we we focus on the death of Christ and that's the main aspect of of what we're about. So much so that Paul said, this is the only thing I want to preach about. The only thing I actually want to know, he he went in and he went out and he started preaching and he did all his work and he did um, his initial mission work and then realized that everything else he was trying to do just got him in trouble and, and wasn't achieving results and so he gets to this place in 1 Corinthians 2 where he says, I came to you, and when I came to you guys, i would learned some lessons, and so what I did when I got to you guys is I did nothing except talk about Jesus and talk about his death. And so I just want to get the aspect of this and make sure we got this through of why the death of Jesus is so vital and so important to us, and where that all comes, and the effects in our life, and... And why he really did die, because I guess the problem is, as we know, a lot of people we talk to go, I don't need that Christianity stuff, I don't need that Bible garbage, that Jesus, I'm pretty good as I am, thank you very much, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm all sorted, I really don't need you trying to tell me how to live my life, because I've actually got it all sorted out, and my life's pretty good, and I'm okay, I'm a good person. But we know it all comes back to God. And this is a this is quick bit here because we know this. God is love, light, fire. Totally love and creditors for family and relationship. But also in that light, he is absolutely pure. And nothing impure can get near him because of that. And fire means that if there is anything impure, he's just to destroy that as well. James 2.10 The person who keeps all the laws behave I guarantee this was working before the the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all God's laws. We know this. We know this. It just takes one sin to muck up everything. Pastor Bruce used to talk about a, a DVD of your life. Well, we don't need DVD of your life. You've got Facebook. Your life's already up there, your fantasies, dreams, and, and desires, and all the things that you've done and said, um, pretty much. If, but if we recorded it all and stuck it on YouTube, it would be a bit oh my goodness what's going on and so we have this condition and this issue where sin comes in and and invades us and and pervades us all and even if we've just done one thing so here's the reality we have a problem it's called sin or as, as Matt was asking me before iniquity we have this condition iniquity actually is the bit that's inside us which has just made us broken just one thing it says one law one little thing that we do So I just want to go on and talk about why Jesus and and what sin actually looks like. And the first part of that, and the first part of what sin actually does to us when it comes in, and this is where iniquity comes, is it's pollution. When I was at school, I used to um, occasionally get money to go to tuck shop, which was really neat and exciting. And, And at high school, when I was at school, we had these things called mud buckets. Do you remember mud buckets? No, no, no? Okay. I, I young lip snapper. Anyway, there were these ice creams that came in this little cone, inverted cone, and it was chocolate, like soft-serve ice cream with a chocolate ripple through it and chocolate sprinkles and then a big chocolate ball down the bottom. They were fantastic. Yes, I, I love these things. It was very sad. Actually, my favorite ice cream of all time was called Wicked. Um, probably not good for a pasta to like a thing called Wicked, but it was like caramel ice cream with, like Nestle had with this caramel ribbon and caramel fudge chunks through it. And why have they ruined caramel by putting salt in it all the time? I don't understand. Anyway, um, anyway, so we had these mud buckets. So essentially, what it looks like is this: If I'm walking down, and, and Jess understands when I talk about a mud bucket how good this thing was, walking down, enjoying my mud bucket, and then all of a sudden, above my head, comes Mr. Kookaburra, and I'm enjoying my mud bucket, and Mr. Kookaburra decides he's going to add to my mud bucket, and he makes a deposit. And maybe I've actually, instead of just mine, I've bought two of them. I'm walking down, I've got these two of them. And, and into yours, Mr. Kookaburra has made a deposit. Now, now, it's okay, because what I do, I'm a kind, loving person. What I would do, I'd get my spoon and scoop that deposit out. Now, the reality is I'd probably get about 95% of that. So it's all good. It's all good. It's mostly all gone. There's only a little bit left in there. So you could really enjoy that. You'd really enjoy... Who'd love an ice cream with just 5% of the, the kookaburra poo in it? Okay, Chloe's in on that. You're disgusting. You're like gross. The reality is, if that's in there, most of us go, there is no way I want that polluted thing. But that's what sin does to us. That's the iniquity that comes in our lives. There is this pollution that pervades. And, and it just makes it so that we don't want... Anything, and Jesus said this, it's what comes from inside you that defiles you. No, my slides are misbehaving. No. Yeah. The things that come from inside us is what pollutes us. The second thing that it does is um, there's the pollution of sin, there's the, the power of sin. Jesus said this, he replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. I've had some mates who have really good habits, um, really good at exercising in the morning and uh, really good at eating well, just like me, and uh, but the reality for some of us is we get really bad habits in and things they get in, especially when... Things get around our lives like other things. Like we, we know that our thought patterns, when we get a particular way of thinking, if we get a negative way of thinking, that can be really addictive just to stick into those things. We know that um, one of the things over the next little while in youth and, and probably in church a little bit as well, we'll be talking about um, the effects of porn as well and the addictiveness of that that comes on a mind and comes in these... And, and so many times we get in these things and Paul said it like this, all the things I don't want to do I find myself doing and caught up and just doing it and I don't seem to be able to not do these things anymore and caught up because it's just like it, it has this addiction and we can't get free on our own. So there is this whole slave and this power that sin has over us. The other thing that it does is there's a penalty. Pollution, power penalty all of us want justice like if we we think about anyone that um, abuses kids all of a sudden usually inside us rises up I just want to smash that and and destroy uh, that person they deserve justice in fact all of us have this sense of justice When, when we turn about 15, 16, 17 especially we get this sense of justice and all of a sudden, our eyes open to the world and we see these things that, that are wrong in the world. And that's why you get uni students going around, save the whales or save the, the brown snail. Because all of a sudden, eyes open up outside yourself and you see the injustice in the world. And those that are starting back at uni this week or last week... Um, you have seen people around campus, and you will over the next while see people around your university that, that are saying, okay, we need to save this particular tree because it's endangered, and it's the most important cause, and how could nobody else have seen this? And inside us, we have this desire for justice. But most of us, when it comes to actually dealing with um, wickedness, we want justice for other people and grace for ourselves. Because the Bible's pretty clear that one of the things with sin is the penalty is death. For the wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. The fourth thing is a petition. You know, if we put up petitions down to sort of block people in or, or in the rooms over there, we've got petitions that come across to separate. And we notice the, thing, the fourth thing that sin does in our lives is it actually separates us from God, and this is one of the, I guess, saddest verses in the Bible. It's your sins that have cut you off from God because of sin, He's turned away and will not listen anymore. The sin in our lives actually just gives this big wall and separates. From it. So, four things in there that it has. We have pollution, power, penalty, petition, but praise God that there's a, a solution for the whole thing. A few of you probably know this story about, about Maximilian. Um, in World War II, there was this concentration camp, as they did, and, and got, the Nazis got all the Jews and, and stuck them in. And there was a whole bunch of concentration camps. And, what they used to do every so often is they'd come through and just, just for the fun of it, just wipe out a bunch of people in there. And so there was, well, it was one particular time they decided they just needed to kill 10 people in the camp. And so they went through and they started selecting and go, you, 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 and then um, just randomly came up and um, selected um, this young man and Frank... Gajon, Gajowniczek, Frank Gajowniczek, and uh, what they were doing is they selected Frank as the tenth man, and he as they selected, no, my wife and my children. And, and so as he said that, what happened is um, what they were doing is they were getting these ten guys and sticking them in a box until they start. And um, so what happened is up the back you heard this voice and this quiet guy Maximilian. But he just said, I'll take that man's place from under his cap. And, and so the, the Reich there looked and said, okay, yeah, we'll accept that. And uh, he, uh, he, was, uh, he said, oh, I'll, I'll take his place. I'm a priest and I've, I've got no family at home. And so what they did is they stuck Maximilian and these nine other blokes in the box. Now, typically what would happen there is that within a day or two, they would just go mad in this box and with absolute anger and hate towards each other, just rip each other to shreds and destroy each other. But what they found with these guys is they just started singing hymns and praising God and and praying. And so it got to this point that slowly they started passing away, but after two weeks, there were still four of them alive, um, Maximilian and three others. And at that point, they gave them a, a lethal injection, and they passed away. In 1982, this was in 1941, in Austrich. um, In 1982, there was a special service uh, in Rome to celebrate this this event that had happened. There was 150,000 people there. And in the crowd was Frank, his children, his grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, all sitting there giving thanks for this man who had sacrificed his life, that now there was four generations of people because of that sacrifice um, that Maximilian had made. And like so many of us, this is really what Jesus did, but he did it on a much bigger scale. It's probably one of the best stories to illustrate that. And because Jesus sat there and he said, you know what, I really don't want to do this. But your will, Lord. Your will. Um, as I do it. So Jesus' death its probably a little bit harder than Max's. He, he stayed in the box for two weeks and got lethal injection. Jesus was beaten, refused sleep for days, um, crown of thorns placed down deep into his skull, bleeding, had, had shreds of flesh taken off his back with 39 lashes of a whip that was endued with bones and ball bearings um, so that His back, the Bible says, and history tells us, would have looked like ribbons. You could see not just the flesh, but the organs in his back. And then over that, they they placed a cloak over it. And not just, and then allowed the blood to congeal and then ripped it off again. And and did this multiple times. Um, Got that crown and stuck it down deep within him. The Bible says that they came up and they, they. beat his face with sticks and with with fists. Um, It gets to the point where it actually says that he wasn't recognizable because of the punishment that he had. Then they took him up, made him carry this big hunk of wood that he wasn't able to because he was too weak from it all and then drove six-inch nails through his wrists, crossed his legs over and twisted them out in in pain and anguish to then drive a nail through the ankles as well to support himself. And the only way that he could draw breath was to push up on that nail as it went through between the bones to actually try and breathe on this thing. And and why do I tell you the whole aspect? He was exposed in the sun for six hours, probably birds sitting there poking on it. We know historical records would say that the birds would come around and actually eat the eyes out of people that were on the crosses. Um... Why death? Why this death? That's so important. Why not Buddha? I was in the shop down the down the, high the other day. They've got this wall of little Buddhas there that you can buy. Why, why Jesus' death? Why not Muhammad's death? Why not Sam who lives down the roads death? Why this one? That's so much more important. And It's funny. So many people accuse God of this one thing. God doesn't get it. He doesn't understand my pain. How dare he put me, if he's a God of love, how dare I go through this? My life sucks. I've had this event happen, and and so many people sit there and accuse God of not understanding. But in this one act, in this one act, God can sit there and go, I totally get it. I get rejection. I get pain. I get hurt. I get loss. I get grief. I get physical suffering. I get stress. I get struggles. So much happened that day. God understands our suffering. God's love was revealed. The powers of darkness and the demons were disarmed, and death was defeated. And here we got an answer to the four Ps. We got an answer to pollution in our lives that day. See, the Hebrews, what they used to do is they used to get this look, it was weird. Get a little lamb, place hands on it, speak all the things that they'd done naughty over the year into that lamb, and then they go off and sacrifice it and, and kill blood. And that was the way they would get clean of the pollution of sin. But the Bible says in 1 John 1, 1.7, the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Blood of the land, soul cleansing power, grace washes us white as snow. It's interesting, because if we're really sick, if our blood's polluted, we get clean blood pumped. Is it this right, girl? We get transfusions and clean blood pumped through us to actually cleanse us. So we need the blood of Christ and it cleanses us. And all of a sudden, especially baptism, it says that it gives us a clean conscience. It cleanses us from sin. That pollution that's in us is no more. The other thing that we were talking about before is, is power. Now, in ancient times, if, um, usually after church, we go and, and, and grab food somewhere and we, we pay for food. So maybe you came to church and you didn't have any money, and I go down and I shout you some hate Now, you're meant to say we've made an agreement, you're meant to pay me that back. But you don't, and you can't. In ancient times, that was really easy because then it was simple. I just owned you. You are my slave. You are my possession. And, and so, what happens there is that there is that power. A slave. We're a slave to sin. You became mine. So, I could make you clean my house, clean my toilets, clean my car, clean all the stuff that I mess up and just make messy. And that would be really wonderful. I? Um, but then, what would happen if someone came along and they said, I'm going to pay you their price? Oh, well, it's 10000 bucks. Okay, now I'll pay that. And so they came and they purchased your freedom out from under that. And that's what Jesus has done. He has ransomed us from it. You know, this is the thing. Like We're slaves to sin. Before I had Jesus in my world, I couldn't stop just, and you've heard me say this before, just talking really negative about people. And I give you guys a hard time because I like you now but I do it in a much nicer way than I used to. I used to rip people's shirt. I couldn't help but do it and, and try and, and make people feel terrible about themselves. didn't matter what I tried to change. I just didn't have any control over that. Until Jesus came in and, and I started liking people, my attitude changed. I, I got freed from, from that. And it says that he who the sun sets free, you're free indeed. Power, pollution, the penalty... Two friends, um, were. they grew up together, did life together, they went through preschool and prep and went through school together and grew up, went to went to uni, got to the end of school. One went off to uni and studied law. The other one went off and didn't quite make it into there. And so he found out, you know what, I like things. And so he went around and started um, nicking stuff and, and stealing stuff and got to the point of robbing banks. Got to the point where all of a sudden that got so much trouble, he, he got caught and, and went to... Um, was facing prison and, and faced a sentence for it and he went before the judge and he looked up at the judge and the judge is looking at this case and all of a sudden the judge looks down and went, oh dude, it's my mate. They had lost contact over the years and there's his friend standing in front of him. And the judge had this dilemma. He's like, oh, I remembered so much. How, you know, as a kid you make pacts. We're always going to do life together. Any time you get in trouble, that's it, man. I've got your back. We're, we're sorted. Bros first, come on, man and uh where, and he was in this dilemma and he's like but I, i've I've made this commitment to law and to being a judge and so he looked down at this guy and he went okay and he, and he, he sentenced him to the the full law and gave him the, the largest fine that that he could and he looked at looked at this guy, and he knew there was no way he could pay it, but then he stepped down, took off his big fluffy hair as they do in the and Josephine took off his robe and pulled out his checkbook and wrote a check for it and, and gave it to him. And it's really a, a slight image but a poor image of what Jesus did for us in that God gave us the punishment for sin. You've got to die. It's just, but at the same time, he then came and he paid for it. it. Our penalty was far greater, the relationship closer and the cost greater for it. Um, and then the, the last bit that, that the blood deals with, and Jesus' death with, deals with, it deals with the pollution, that innate, those with the power, it deals with the penalty. But the worst bit about sin in our world is actually that fact that God doesn't look at us and can't hear us. As a young boy, and um, he'd done life and living with mum and dad and um, got to the point where he's just in his teenage years and he just had this big blue with dad massive blue with that and didn't get on and so he ran away and just left and um, spent, spent a year or so just, just away and then got to the point where he just went you know what, this is just ridiculous I, I, I just need to go home but he was that scared of going home because this, this was one of those big blues he, he was a bit fearful for his life he just didn't know how things were going to get on at home he knew he'd really upset his dad and, and so he called up and his mum was in tears when he, she heard his voice on the phone. And, uh, and he, he starts talking to her. Mom, Mom, I just, you know, I, I really need to come home. She's like, oh, that's so good. come home." But, but I'm only going to come home if, if dad's okay with it. Oh, yeah, he's fine, son. It's okay. He's fine. Just come home. Just come home. He just wants you home. And he's like, no, Mom, I just need to know, is dad okay with it? Just in, in, in all seriousness. And she's like, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know. He, he, hasn't, he doesn't talk to me since you left, he hasn't shared anything really with me about what's going on. Mum, I need to know. I'm not coming. If, if he's not okay with it, there's no way I can be in the house with him. There's no way I can do it. And so it's like this, and she's like, I, I just can't give you that guarantee, son. And He's like, okay, well, you know that big apple tree out the back? Um, if Dad's okay, I'm going to be coming past at this time in this day. Just tie a handkerchief in the tree. And so um, the day comes, next day he hops on the train from where he is and catches the train. And their house backed onto the train tracks where this apple tree was. And so he's sitting on the train and all of a sudden he's just going along and this kindly old man's just sitting across from him in one of those four seats and the rest of the train's sort of filled up and so they've got little seats themselves. And all of a sudden he he gets to the stop before it's going around this bend and, and his head goes down and the old man looks at him and can see something's wrong. He says, son, what's wrong? And um, he just starts sharing with him the story and and all of a sudden everyone else is slowly just hearing something going on here and they start pulling their earbuds out of their ears sitting on the train and and, and overhearing what this story is that's going on. And and he gets around the bend and he's like, talks to the man, he's like, I just can't look. I just can't look. And he he buries his head down and just starts weeping. And um, the old there and, and all of a sudden he, he knows the feel of the train track because he's travelled it so many times and he feels it go around the corner and everyone's heard the story about there needs to be a handkerchief in the apple tree for him to know he could go home and uh, he goes around the corner and he feels the bend go down, he's, he's just crying in his hands and then all of a sudden he hears this loud gasp at that point of going around the corner and but nothing else and so he just starts sobbing all the more going, oh, I, there's no handkerchief, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go home. And the old man just places his hand on his shoulder and says, son, I, I think you need to look up and face your future. And, and so, with tears streaming down his head, he, he looks up and he, he looks at this apple tree, just, just covered in hundreds of white handkerchiefs. And uh, That's what the blood does, that's what the death of Jesus does, it, it's just the fact that God just puts out this giant sign, come home, just come home. I just want you home. There's nothing I desire more than you to be home. Lord, we thank you that there's so much there, your death's done. Our, Our entire world revolves around this one instant. There's one day when you said to the Father, "I, I don't want to do this because I know what it's going to do to me, but nevertheless, your will be done, Lord. You be God. Say what you want to say. Teach me what you want to teach me. And, Lord, we thank you that, again, in our lives, Lord, there's times where we just feel yucky and icky because of what we do and think and say we thank you that your blood washes that clear. There's times in our lives, Lord, where we just find ourselves so caught up in doing things that we, we don't want to be doing and, and so caught up in, in, in just these habits and these addictions. And yet your blood and your sacrifice has given us freedom from that. Lord, there's, there's the place in our lives where we know, Lord, if people knew what was going on, there would be justice for the way I think. And Lord we know that there is justice in heaven and it got poured out that one day the only day of justice in all of, all of time so far more than that Lord we know that the sin causes you to turn your face and, and turn your ear away from us Lord but we thank you that Jesus your death has made it so that you just want us home and can accept us home again Lord and so we just respond to that and just thank you, Jesus, for what you've done and thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you've done in our world. And I just want to say yes again. Just yes again. And Lord, even as we we're praying before, there's just so many around here that just don't know that. Don't know the fact that you want them home. Don't know the fact that you just want to be close with them. And so, Lord, we just ask you to call them home. And whatever you need to do in us to be part of that it's cool, huh? Something there. Just do that. You know, if you, if you need someone to pray through some of this stuff with us, maybe you, you just feel unclean. Maybe you feel like there's stuff that's sort of caught you and you, you don't have the freedom from it. Maybe you're here and you're just like, you know what? I, I just don't know that I'm, I'm home with Jesus. You just need to get your life right. Um, sometimes we make the assumption or right, I can easily... Make the assumption that everyone in the room's fine but I, don't, I, want, I just want you to have the opportunity just to go yes to Jesus again tonight and so we're going to worship and as we do that if you just need prayer for any of the stuff that um, God's blood just fixes for us, let us know. we'll, we'll deal with that and do that.